and I signed the lease to without even having an idea how I was going to pay for the rent on the building, not even having an idea how I was going to get the down payment at that moment. The way I came up with my down payment was I stopped paying my apartment. When I rent on my apartment, I stopped paying for my car just because I knew I was young and I could make up for anything, any setback that that would put me, I knew I could make up for it. I knew it would take time. It took more time than what I thought it would take, but I I knew I could get back on top. I knew the reward was bigger than the risk that I was taking. So I literally stopped paying my car note. I stopped paying my apartment rent for two months. I ended up getting evicted from my apartment and ended up actually getting my car repo. But I signed that lease and I got my building. Thank you for joining our Dreamcatchers call uh, this evening. Dreamcatchers formally launched two years ago with the aspiration to unlock hidden potential and successful self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We work with these individuals to help them realize their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. Our simple and effective achievement strategies in the areas of prosperity, health, Relationships, career, significance, and self-image are pivotal aspects of the beginning of their evolution. Over the years, we have been helping people in our immediate circle accomplish their goals without formally being named or organized. So over two years ago, we decided to share these services and provide some structure to the format. We offer three levels of membership that include access to assessments and tools, group coaching, and one-on-one success strategy sessions. Tonight, you are a part of our Tribe Call, which is a tool in our inspiration package. The purpose of these calls is threefold, to provide encouragement, to give an opportunity to learn, and to give real examples of people who are achieving. So tonight, you will be hearing from a remarkable young man who sees the opportunity to make his dream real. Jump in. This is probably like my, I want to say it's my third tribe call that I've done, and it's just, it's nice to have it because everybody's got to like see me grow throughout the years. Because it's definitely a journey just being in business and, and learning business, especially when it's your first one. I think you know everything until you sign the lease and open the doors and you realize you didn't know anything. I mean, everything that all your old bosses said was true, you kind of realize real fast what's actually true. For the people who don't know me or haven't heard me speak before, um, my name is Larry Spriggs. I own a business in Annapolis, Maryland called Wheels. I sell aftermarket wheels and tires, and we do window tenting. I started in high school, and since then I've just kept carrying on and learning more came a point in my life where I had a job that I was about to leave or needed to leave and I decided I thought that I wanted my own shop and go into business for myself and it wasn't my favorite part of the story then but as of now it's kind of like my favorite part of the story because it just gets me going every time I talk about it is I had a girlfriend at the time and I told her I was like look I'm about to quit my job and I'm open up a rim shop and she freaking laughed at me hysterically she's like I was on stage like I was Kevin Hart or something she freaking like really really laughed at me and that just gave me the motivation to really want to make it happen so I quit my job and I started working at a small shop and kind of like worked my way up to a big shop which was actually the biggest shop on the east coast and then eventually just opened up my own shop all of which took place in about three and a half four years since then it's really been a journey I always say it's like at first you just plan to your dream and 
And once you get to your dream, you're just standing there inside the dream, just mar- marveling over everything and wondering how you even got there. Um, even though you went through the journey, sometimes you don't see the little pieces that get you to where you're at until you're standing there and you're just looking around, like, what in the world do I do now? I got to where I want to What do I do now? So I always encourage people is to dream through your dreams. Don't just dream to the dream because sometimes getting to your dream is a whole lot easier than what you actually think it is at that point in time. So dream through it. Dream dream to the dream and then past what you're going to do after you get there. And now I'm coming into this is my fifth year in business. The first four was all learning. I'm pretty sure the fifth year is going to be all learning before I get to really earning. I came into 2018, and the very first thing I wanted to do when I got into 2018 is just start to transform my business from good to being great, just being the best that it could be. Um, and the very first thing I learned that I had to do was get the right people on the boat. A lot of times when you go into business, the very first people you go to run to is your family or your friends to come help you out. Even though people always say that's like the worst thing to do, don't hire your family, don't hire your friends. But sometimes when you're first opening up and you don't have a lot of capital and you're just trying to make things happen, you got to take that risk and hire a friend, hire family. But once you get going and everything gets in the place that those people aren't doing what they're supposed to do, or if it's just not working, it comes a point in time when you got to just be real with yourself. And 2018 was that for me. I just had to be real with myself and look at myself in the mirror and say, all right, are these people helping me to get where I need to be? And it's not saying I'm unappreciative of the things that they have done, but sometimes we got to remember where we're trying to get to, and, and getting there sometimes takes sacrifices to make it happen. So 2018 for me, I've dedicated to just getting the right people on the boat. And in the beginning, like, I used to always be scared to hire people and, like, anything or just even bring people into my circle. One, the main thing is, like, oh, my goodness, how am I, I going to afford this person? Or how am I going to pay them every week? How are they going to react to everybody else? One thing I've learned in just doing my research and reading is just the right person, you're not going to have to worry about none of that because the right person is going to take care of everybody. They're going to join the team, and they're going to be a team player. They're going to pay for themselves. They're going to do everything they need to do to help the business get to where we want it to be. And sometimes you got to go through a lot of people before you get to the right people. But what I've learned is, like, through interview process of constantly hiring. A lot of the big companies you see, a lot of great companies that you see are constantly hiring. You always see a I'm hiring sign. It could be 20 people inside working. They're still hiring because they're constantly looking for that one great person. That's my 2018. I'm just trying to build a team that would help me build my business to where I want it to be. Unfortunately, if the person who's on the boat isn't right, it's, it's sad. I, I'm not even – I'm the nicest person. I'm probably the nicest boss. Most of my guys love me because I don't do any complaining or fussing because that's not how the best boss that I've ever had, he never treated anybody like that. So I never want to be the mean boss that tells people to do stuff. I don't even like calling myself a boss. I'd rather say a leader because I don't want to be the guy pointing fingers and telling people to do. I'd rather be showing people the way. So I just it's hard for me to, to let people go, but still at the same time, like I said, when you realize where you want to be at business and where you want to go. Sometimes that's just a huge sacrifice, and it's the hardest sacrifice as an owner to do is letting people go. 2018 for me is going to be all about getting the right people on the boat and getting in the direction that we need to go. The right people are going to pick up the oars. They're going to roll with you in that same direction. If you got the wrong person on the boat, they might have their oars sitting inside the boat and sitting there looking at everybody else while they're rowing, and that doesn't help. And it also, having the right people around you creates a crazy environment. An environment, a motivational environment, an environment of encouragement that's always pushing everybody else to do the best that they can do. A lot of times people don't realize environment is everything. You don't even realize some of the things that you do every day that's absolutely wrong or just not right 
or even things that are good that you do that you don't even get the praise for because the environment that you're in just doesn't encompass it the same way as you do or the way it should be done. That's a lot of things that your environment can do and cloud. The environment can cloud things that are wrong and make you think that you're doing the right thing even when you're not. It's so hard to even give examples of environment, things being wrong in your environment and not knowing because you can offend somebody because they're like, oh, my goodness, like why would you say that's wrong? My environment, my whole life has told me that it's right. And sometimes you got to step out of your environment and step back and look at your whole situation and just see exactly where you need to be. And that's what I'm doing with my business is stepping out of my business environment and just looking at everything around me, all the people around me, and saying who's on this boat and who's helping us get to where we want to go and who's not. And the people that aren't, they got to get off. And the people who are going, that's going to help us push the boat to where we need to be. Another thing for 2018, it's kind of the way I've always lived my life is just instead of playing the game, a lot of times when you go into business, you're just ready to play the game. And instead of playing the game this year, I wanted to do more reading of the rules. A lot of times we jump into the game and just play the game to play the game to win. And sometimes before you can even win, you got to read the rules because the rules will give you a different path that you can take than just watching everybody else play the games. There might be a rule that somebody didn't read that you're following them and they didn't even know anything about it that you could have did that could have saved you half the time. And even sometimes you got to bend the rules. But as long as you know the rules, you can bend them to get to where you need to be. And when you bend the rules, you just got to accept any risk that comes with it. And my disclaimer for tonight is I'm not telling anybody to break any laws or do anything crazy or bend any bad rules, but I encourage everybody to, whether whichever business you're in, wherever you're trying to get to, if you're trying to start a cooking show, it doesn't even matter. Just really, really look up everything you need to do. If you're trying to start a retail restaurant, I mean a retail store or a restaurant, just look up all the rules you need to follow and everything and really learn them in and out before you start to play the game. One thing that I did when I first opened up business, I just straight jumped into the game. I didn't pay attention to anything. I don't even think I had my sales tax ID set up until the fourth or fifth month in the business. I know it wasn't the right thing to do, but sometimes I think, like, I think back, I don't regret doing it because it would have been another thing that I would have had to focus on at that point when I didn't have any capital or anything instead of just focusing on earning and earning to keep the doors open. And then when I got to the point where everything and I can sit back and fix all that. Um, not saying that's the right way to do it, but sometimes you got to pick and choose what sacrifice and which risk you're willing to take to get forward, to go forward with what you're trying to do. It's tough because especially coming into like your fifth year in business, you start to learn or start to see. It comes obvious all the things that you're weak at. And for me, seeing that is hard because it's like I don't want to be weak at anything. I want to be able to handle everything. I want to be able to handle my whole business. But this comes in play with having the right people on the boat because when you get the right people on the boat, all your weaknesses, you start to fill those gaps so that they can really help you and they can push you to do stuff the right way. Or you can even hand it to them and let them do it if they know exactly what they're doing and it'll make it a whole lot easier. But you got to find those weaknesses. you got to find out what you're strong at, stick to what you're strong at. If you're a great salesperson, be a great salesperson for your business. If you're a great manager, be a great manager for your business. Any The list goes on and on, but the main thing you want to do is just find those weaknesses that you have and fill the gaps with those weaknesses. And that's another point that I hit when I got to five, five years. It started becoming really, really obvious. It started becoming obvious with my shop, just being real with everybody in here, that the shop wasn't always clean. Because I know I'm not the cleanest person at work, even though my house is freaking spotless. When I'm at work, there's so much going on in my mind, going on in my mind that I'm never paying attention to the trash or so make sure the trash is out, make sure the floor is out. So it just led me to making sure that I was on top of my guys and then 
seeing who could really keep the shop clean. And then all of a sudden, one of my guys, I just noticed, like, he's, like, the best cleaner in the world. And I never would have paid attention to it. And so I really realized my weakness. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, man, I can't even let this guy go because if I let him go, who in the world is going to clean my shop? Because it looks so good. Even though he does a million other things good, but just the fact that I realized that he cleaned the shop is, is something so small, but it was a weakness that I had that I needed to find because presentation is everything. So I definitely, 2018 is all about finding the right people on the boat just so that I can close those gaps in my weaknesses and my business weaknesses and just make a better environment for everybody. Another thing is just trying to get grow bigger, grow my business bigger than what it is. When I first started, I never wanted to be a person to, to take investments or anything like that. I didn't, I didn't want to do it at all because I just seen it as a sign of being weak. But in talking to people and just getting the right mentorship, I learned that like just the right invest, investor, one person or, or one bank or one, one place that the money can come from can change everything because it can grow your business exponentially and just keep growing and keep growing as long as you manage the money the right way and do everything. And then that became another big point of mine that I realized coming in 2014 was just managing numbers. Anybody who's heard me speak before knows that I was the furthest thing from a numbers guy. I hated numbers. Just for instance, me and Rome have fought over this a million times, just keeping track of numbers and everything. And I think after five years in business, I have to sit here and say, Rome, you are absolutely right for everything that you have said. It's very, very important to keep that up. And I thank Jerome for driving that into me every day about just keeping that and being able to go back and look. And most people say, oh, my goodness, well, that's, that should have been the first thing you were doing. But sometimes when you're chasing a dream and you're dream-driven, the small things, which are really the big things, you don't even think about. You're just so focused on putting your dream together and, and carrying it forth. So I definitely thank Jerome for that because I started to – keep track of data and just be able to go through and look at different things and I can see where we're falling at and where we need to do better at. I can change my advertising to do certain things, which is another thing that I never said I would do, but you start to learn once you get about five years in business that things that you said you weren't going to do, you sometimes need to do, and it just allows you to grow faster than what you would grow before. Um, sometimes we get set in our ways. Um, and it's good to be setting your way sometimes because it keeps your business consistent. It keeps your brand consistent. But when it comes to growing, you got to be a little flexible. You know? So like I said, my, my disclaimer for tonight is just I'm not telling anybody to break rules or do anything like that. But learn the rules, any business, anything you want to do in life, any dream that you're chasing. Before you start playing the dream, before you start chasing the dream, I would encourage everybody to just really know the rules before you play the game. Or rather, play the game. I mean, play the rules and know the game. Um, I think that'll carry you a whole lot further, and that's just an experience and something that I've learned in business. Larry, I have a question. Much. Yep. Um, what's your process for deciding your business focus each year? Oh, my goodness. It really just comes at, I would say it hits me at about December 31st at about 1130, just what I need <laughs> to do. That's like, my, that's like my thought process time coming into the New Year's, right, right before the ball drops, I'm thinking about, like, what, what's the biggest weakness I had from last year that I can work on this year and just make right? And sometimes it might come, like, this year definitely came from reading a book. I was reading a book. It's called Good to Great. It's a great book if anybody wants to go grab it. It just really talks about taking your business to the next level. And that's really where I got this goal for. But still, it happened in that last 30 seconds of the year to say, you know what, this, this is what I'm going to drop for next year. Can you, you also mentioned that you have mentors. Can you describe your mentors? Like, are they businessmen or entrepreneurs or 
Oh, yeah, I got. I have a set of mentors, and I encourage everybody to get a set of mentors. The reason why is because everybody doesn't know how to say the same thing the same way. So basically, you hear somebody say it all the time, like, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So everybody doesn't know how to say the same thing the same way. So always get a bunch of different mentors. Somebody, they might all be telling you the same exact thing, but hearing it from a different angle or having somebody break it down a different way definitely helps. I got mentors that are businessmen. The guy that I looked up to the most when I was in business or just thinking about being in business, my old boss, he does really amazing for himself. But he's like the old me. He's not a numbers guy. He doesn't look at numbers. He doesn't care about numbers. He just pushes forward. He has one of the largest shops on the East Coast, and he just keeps pushing forward, keeps pushing forward. Then I have other guys that are businessmen, have been in businesses, even working for the government for years and years and years. And then I got other people who are entrepreneurs like me, that some of them who just jumped out here in the last year or so. And it's funny because sometimes when me and some of the guys that just jumped out here, even though they have were further advanced than me in life, by me having my own business before them, I would say things. We would battle back and forth in mentorship. And it's funny because now that they've jumped out and went into business for themselves, every now and then you hear something like, yeah, I told you that. I told you it's a little different. But it's all funny games because it's like, yeah, you, it's a completely different angle when you actually have to cut everybody's check at the end of the week and cut a check for yourself. Do you actually cut yourself a check? To be 100% honest, I do not take a check. But this is what I've done. And and this is another thing where I say you listen to everybody's point of view. You get, get a couple mentors because life is different for everybody, and life is going to be different from you than any of your mentors. No matter what they've been through, your life is going to be completely different. You're going to go through different things. So for me, one of my mentors had mentioned to me, instead of focusing on paying myself, why don't I focus on just making sure all my savings account, my emergency account is good. As long as I can save this amount or reinvest this amount, I don't really have to worry about paying myself. I know one day I eventually will for tax purposes and everything like that, but right now just worry about putting money where it needs to go and funneling it the right way because you got two wolves inside. you got the wolf that kind of like eats the whole pack and to survive. Like that's how that wolf survives. They just kill everybody around them to keep moving forward, or you got the wolf who uses all the people around them to kind of move them forward as protection or as help. And a lot of times people say, well, which wolf will win? And to be 100% honest, it doesn't matter. It's whichever one you feed, whichever one you put all your energy to is going to be the wolf that wins. And so it's the same way with money, and that's what I learned. It's just I've been there where I freaking spent every dollar I've made literally after I paid everybody. I'm walking off with $5 because throughout the week, every dollar I made, I went to the club or I bought wheels for my car or, or did something dumb. And now I'm just beyond that where I'm trying to put money in all the right places. So instead of feeding the guy that spends all the money and wants to be flashy, I feed the guy who wants a legacy, the guy who wants family wealth, who wants the generational wealth to keep building. So yeah, so as of right now, I don't cut myself a check, but I make sure I put money in the places that it needs to be. Okay. You talked about growth. So tell tell us what growth looks like for you, let's say, over the next couple of years. Over the next couple of years. 2018 is going to be pretty much a nothing year for me. It's just getting everything right in the right place and pretty much just cruising through this year to be able to grow. I want to be able to really grow and double or almost triple in 2019. I want to put myself in a new building. I want to just be able to create an even better environment for everybody that works with me. Um, a lot of times my shop is so small right now. A lot of times we're jacking up cars in the parking lot. And even though we know what we're doing, sometimes people roll up and 
anything, whether it be beginner shop or anything like that, even though I've been in the business for a while and a lot of my guys have been doing it for a while, they can't see that looking at my shop. So 2018, we're going to roll through, but 2019, I want to put us in a better position to be able to show people. I hate that you got to look the look in order for people to believe it, but that's just something that comes as a part of business. But I want to be able to show people that we are the place you want to be and potentially do double to triple what we do right now. Well, I, I don't know. I think with the right marketing, you know, you could really actually phrase it that you're passing the savings to the customer because they got to pay for flash and dash. Exactly. You guys can't. There's only, many, there's only so many hours in a day that you can work. Are you planning then to have a second shop or are you just moving altogether? No, I, I don't want to have a second shop yet. I think I want to get really, really good at what I'm doing now before I jump out and do something else. I think when I was younger, I used to be that little kid that every freaking day I had a different plan. Every day I was doing something different. Even growing up, even when I was still working at the rim store, which was the shop I worked at before I opened my own shop, I had I probably had like 30 business ideas while I was working at rim stores that I every week was switching up on and trying to do something else. Now I'm at the point in my life, like, I want to do this the best that I can do this. I want to do my shop the best that I can do that. And when I have it completely under control, and I feel like I'm at my best, then I'll think about jumping out and opening up another shop. So tell me about the nights you slept on the couch at the shop. Oh, my goodness, man. That's stuff I want to forget about, but it's part of the story. Those are the tough Yeah, things. I mean, <laughs> you're trying to skip over the the dirt, getting it out the mud, man. You you really did this thing the the hard way. Like, you didn't come in with a, a bag of money where... You know, you could just put inventory in the shop, man. Go all the way back to when it was just, you know, something on the computer screen that you Photoshopped, man. Bring me all the way back to to the first day, day one. Man, day one, I'm I'm at my job. I think it was a Sunday, and I just decided to just look at buildings. This is when I got to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do it. Like, no matter what it takes. That's when I realized the whole risk thing and playing by the rules thing because I could have played by the rules stayed at my apartment for a couple more months, but I didn't I didn't play by the rules at that point, and I took the risk of not playing by the rules. I went out, I found a building that I thought was perfect for my business, and I signed a lease without even having an idea how I was going to pay for the rent on the building, not even having an idea how I was going to get the down payment at that moment. The way I came up with my down payment was I stopped paying my apartment. When I rent on my apartment, I stopped paying for my car. Just because I knew I was young and I could make up for Anything, any setback that that would put me, I knew I could make up for it. I knew it would take time. It took more time than what I thought it would take, but I, I knew I could get back on top. I knew the reward was bigger than the risk that I was taking. So I literally stopped paying my car note. I stopped paying my apartment rent for two months. I ended up getting evicted from my apartment and ended up actually getting my car repo. But I signed that lease and I got my building. Like I said, disclaim, I wouldn't tell anybody to do it that way. It definitely was hard. It's probably the hardest thing I ever had to do. Just Speaking coming up from the mud, but that's pretty much how I got started. I took every month, all the money that I made in those two months and put it towards my building. Um, I got my building. I signed the lease, got the key. When I moved into my building, it was a complete shambles. But at that point, everybody must have seen that I was for real, that I really wanted to make that happen. And that's really all it took. My uncle, I thank him a million times because he was the only person who really stepped in at that point and said, actually, what did I need to be able to make it work? And he was like, just tell me, I'll, we'll figure something out. And I told him, the only thing I need to be able to go forward is a time machine and a balance. And he wrote me a check right there and was like, here, go get that. And I took the money he gave me to go get a time machine and a balancer. And that was literally all the money I had from the beginning. 
And from that point, I just grinded from the mud and just made it happen. And I, I slept on the couch in my shop for many a nights. The whole first year, I want to say, of having my own business, I, I didn't have a bedroom. I don't know how many people here haven't had a bedroom, but I value a bedroom so much more right now. I slept on my mother's couch for about a whole year. When I didn't sleep, sleep on my mother's couch, I slept on a futon at my shop that was actually the couch in my showroom. So for a whole year, probably a year and a half, I didn't have a bedroom. I didn't have the privacy of a bedroom. I didn't have a place to sit and think. My shop was that place, and I literally lived in there and slept in there. Not every night, but almost every night. And I don't regret wait, it. Wait, so what kind of car did you get repossessed? A uh, 5 Series BMW. I had a 5 Series BMW back then. My BMW was tough, though. I had a 5 Series BMW with 22s on it, forged auto wheels and everything on it. On the back of the tow truck getting repoed. Wait, you let them take your car, bro? Yeah, it had to happen. It. it was the, the car to shop at that point um, because of the route that I took. I, mean, I know I could have took a different route and played by the rules, but the route that I took led to that. But that car meant everything for you, man. That was like... It meant everything. I, I agree. It meant everything. And to my business, it was a major accomplishment. It was at that time. And I think that's where a lot of us get it mixed up because we so get so excited over, like, the trophies. And it's like the cars are the trophies. And, like, every time you make a, a step in life or an achievement in life, you want to go get you a trophy. And it took me a while to realize, like, oh, you can't always jump out there and go get these trophies every time you make a little step forward because when you get the trophies, even though you're taking a step forward, a lot of times these trophies are liabilities, so they take you three or four steps back. So you get right back into the same treadmill, running on the treadmill and going nowhere. How old were you, Larry? Oh, my goodness. I think I was, like, 20. I think I had just turned 25. Before you even got there, talk to me about dropping out of Morgan and leaving the good job you had before you went to Rim Source. Give me give me the full story. Stop shortcutting it and fast forward into the happy ender. I went to Morgan. I got. I used to, before I did any of this, I was into um, mortgage origination. I was working to get my originator's license. Um, I worked for a couple different companies. And I ended up at the last company I worked for was Stavens First Mortgage. It was in Baltimore, Maryland. And I don't even remember what year this was. I want to say it was about 2007 or 2008. This is right before the housing market crashed. And my manager pulled me into his office. He was like, look, man, I just want to give you a heads up. He, he really messed with me because I was a young guy, and he could see I really wanted something out of life. So he's like, look, man, I just want to give you a heads up. All this is about to go down. Like, it's about to crash. He handed me a card for Morgan State University admissions office. He was best friends of one of the admissions counselors, he was like, go here, talk to this guy. He's like, the best thing for you to do right now is get in school and try to find another way because it's not the way right now. So I left out. I ended up going to, going there the next day or the day after. I don't 100% remember. But anyway, I ended up getting admitted into Morgan. I was there for three years, I believe, two and a half, three years at Morgan. And school was never really my best thing. I literally was a straight E student at one point in school. A lot of people don't know that, but I literally – I think my freshman or sophomore year, I failed my freshman year of high school, um, straight E student, all, all through the semester. I think I might have got one D that whole year and ended up failing in ninth grade. But anyway, school just was never my thing. So I actually did all right in Morgan for about the first year and a half, and then I ended up working. And when I ended up working, I ended up needing to buy a car to go to work. That's when I ended up getting my first, well, my second Caprice, um, which was my favorite car at the time. I had a 95 Caprice. and at that point, that became my everything. School didn't matter. Nothing mattered. I literally would work all day just so I could put money into my car. My car would constantly get stuck at shops because I owed them money. So I would skip school to work more hours at work so I could 
take the money that I'm making for work and get my car at the shop just to drive my car down the street two or three times and take it and put it into another shop to get something else done. And it just became a cycle that happened over and over again. And at that point, I ended up dropping out of school because I was so focused on making money just to put my car together. And at that same time, I got tied up with the guys at Rim Source, um, which is the shop I used to work at, the big, big shop. And I used to just see them. I used to be at the shop just looking like, dang, I would kill them work at a shop like this or just to own a shop like this. At this point, I was working for Comcast. We used to knock on doors and do the, um, we were the people who would come to your door and try to change the service. And we ended up freaking the system because you weren't allowed to actually knock on apartment doors because most apartments back then, you didn't have direct TV, you didn't have files, you had to get Comcast. We were basically stealing sales. So we would go through all the apartments and take our flyers that we were supposed to knock on residential houses and single family homes and we would fly the whole apartment complex. And then I would literally go to work at 3 o'clock and leave at 5 with three sales because people would call my cell phone to get the better deal that we fly the apartments with than what they would get if they just called regular Comcast. So we were making a ton of money. That's the money I was putting in my car. And it just came a point where Comcast realized what was going on. They were pretty much about to get rid of us. They all brought us in just told us that they knew and we couldn't do apartments no more. And I literally lost probably, I would say, a good 75% of my income at that point. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Of course, at this time, my girlfriend that I had at this time was just killing me for dropping out of school. She's killing me, telling me I'm not going to be anything. And in that same breath, I told her that I was going to open up a shop. I was going to have... I was going to work at Rim Source, and I was going to open up a shop. And one day, and that's the time she laughed at me freaking hysterically, like like I was freaking D-Ray Davis on stage at All-Star Comedy Weekend. It was real bad. It's crazy because at that point, I knew I just had to make it happen. I quit my job. I ended up starting at a small shop in Glen Burnie, Maryland, right down the street from my house. I was there for about three months. It was a brand-new shop. I helped a guy. I did about 15000 sale in the first Two and a half, three months of me being there selling wheels and tires, and I didn't even know anything at this point. I'm just selling to my friends who were in car clubs and stuff like that with me. And I think the whole time I was there, the guy man, he gave me 150 bucks. Uh, but I didn't even care because I was trying to learn. So I didn't, it didn't even phase me. So I'm still coming in every day. Mine is three months. All I made is 150 bucks. I don't even know how I survived back then. I was living with my mom on the couch back then, too. So I was comfortable with living on the couch at that time. But I was just trying to find a way. One day I walk into the shop and it's one of his friends in behind the county. He's like, look, man, I'm going to pay him $10 an hour to be here and he's going to do all the work that you're selling. So to me, it was kind of smack in the face because like, dad, I'm selling all this work. You can't pay me an hourly rate, but you're going to pay him an hourly rate. So I was upset. I had a key to the shop and everything at this time. I gave him his key back. I was like, you know what? I don't want to work here anymore. Um, I left out the shop. I was upset. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to move with my father. He lives in Cobble County, Maryland, and I'm going to just do something else. If I've got to go back to school, whatever I do. Maybe, maybe she was right when she laughed at me. I'm, I'm going to stop everything. No more car stuff. So that weekend, I ended up moving to my father's house. And the same day I pulled up to my father's house, the guy who owned the shop in that area moved right next door to my father. He had a Hummer on the 30s. Uh, um, a Hummer, I think it was H, H2 Hummer on 30-inch wheels. It looked crazy. So i seen a sign on the back of it with his shop's name. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go down there tomorrow. I'm going to try to get a job down there. So I go down there, I'm telling them, look, look, man, I know what I'm doing. I can help you business. I can help you grow your business. I can I can sell wheels, man. Can I please have a job? And he freaking laughs at me like, nah, man, you don't know nothing. Get out of here. So I went back home that night and I made a resume. Um, I made a work portfolio of all the cars I did at that shop and then put some cars that like were in my car club and everybody in that portfolio. And I went and I gave it to him the next day. He's like, man, I can see you're kind of persistent. 
it's your second time coming down here in two days. He's like, let me take a look at the stuff. And he looked at everything. He was like, all right, can you start on Monday? So I started working there. That was a shop called Platinum Sounds in Calvert County, Maryland. I was there for about a year and a half, and that's pretty much where I learned how to do everything. I learned the mechanics of the business, how to mount and balance tires and all the all the hard work of the business. So one day I was, at this time I was still putting my caprice together. I finally got out the shop, paint shop, and I needed a set of wheels for it. And I really, really want a set of multi-piece wheels, which are really expensive wheels. So I'm on Craigslist and I'm looking and I'm looking on Craigslist. And when I do my Craigslist searches, I search everywhere because you never know where you'll find a deal at. So I was looking in New York and I found a set of wheels in New York that were perfect for my car. I told my girlfriend at the time, the same girl, I was like, look, can you ride to New York with me real fast? I'm going to pick up a set of wheels. Mind you, it's like freaking 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So we get in the car, we're getting in my mother's truck, and we shoot to New York to go pick up the wheels, um, get up there, get the wheels, and on the way back, this is about a year after she laughed at me, on the way back, I get a phone call while I'm driving down the highway, and it's um, the guy Rashad from Rimsource, which is the biggest shop on the East Coast, really, and it was the shop I had told her that one day I was going to work at that shop, and she laughed at me. Um, I get a call from him. He's like, look, man, Kevin wants to know if you can come to work tomorrow. And I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah, can you come work at Rimsource? And it was, like, the craziest moment I ever had. Like, it still gives me chills to this day because she was sitting right there, and she heard the whole entire conversation. And almost a year prior to that, she laughed at me and told me I would never be able to do what I need to go back to school and all this other stuff. And maybe at that point I was still kind of like just in awe um, about the whole situation. Maybe it wasn't as big as I thought it was, but for me it was huge because it was like it showed exactly what – it showed her that I was really building for something. I was really trying to get there and that it was actually working. So that was just crazy. So I ended up going up there the next day working at RimSource. From then I had been at RimSource for about three years. And I'll tell you something. When you go from a smaller shop like where I was in Cairo County, Rimsource, it was like, again, it was like everything I thought I knew, I didn't know anything. I had to relearn the whole industry. Um, but that's where I really got to learn the ins and out of the industry and really meet all the different salespeople from my vendors and everything like that. And then three years after that is when I decided to open my own business. And that's when I took that leap and made it happen. So it sounds like you have a few pivotal moments. Some of your story, um, I think – and I'm glad you're telling this again because some of it I I don't I didn't remember you talking so much about school and so how how would you how would you have the conversation with your children about school because you know on one hand you're saying you were you know never you're not really a good student but you you run a successful business so how how do you marry those two thoughts because you know you have to pay attention to at least the accounting functions for your business, you know, your marketing, your presentation. There's just certain things that you have to pay attention to to have a successful business. So how, what, what kind of conversation would you have with your kids someday about school and, and success? Um, I really would push my kids to be the best they could be at school, to be the absolute best they could be at school. I would be there. I think that's something that I didn't have growing up. My mother worked extremely hard. I don't blame her for it at all. My mother worked extremely hard, three or four jobs at a time to provide for us. I grew up in a one-bedroom apartment. Like, I, I've i seen my mother just give it all to make sure we just had something on the table, just to make sure we had a box of Pop-Tarts in the freaking cupboard to go to school and eat on our way to school. So I didn't have a parent at parent-teachers conference or a parent in the PTA. I didn't have a parent checking my homework. I didn't have none of that. I think that's the main reason I didn't excel in school or do good in school because 
I had no reason to want to. Um, school was just a waste of time for me because I was constantly thinking about something else I could do to to make money or get something because at that age I couldn't go I couldn't go to the store. I couldn't ask my mother to go to the store and buy me a pair of drawers. I couldn't ask my mother to go to the store and buy me anything for real. So anything I wanted at that age I had to figure out a hustle or figure out a way to get. So that was my whole mind frame growing up and I want my, I don't want my kids to be like that. I want them to be able to know that knowledge is power and to really focus on school, try to excel in school now. When they get to the age where if they want to open up a business or you can I can kind of see the direction they want to go to, I wouldn't push them to go further if I see they want to try something else as long as I know they're going to put their hearts into it. So outside of the the girlfriend who just laughed at you, what really turned it on for you? Oh, man. I don't know. I think it was always on. It was always on. That was just a, that was an extra push. That just I was always running towards the cliff. That was the one that kicked me off it. But even when I was in college, I was still thinking up, I think, I had a, a mobile audio and window tent business in college, and I didn't even know how to really do what I was telling people I could do, but I knew that I wanted to do something. Um, so it was always there. Like I said, when I was young, I couldn't ask my mother for anything, so I had to find ways to be able to sell Pokemon cards or, or custom paint people's wallets or whatever I could do or custom paint T-shirts to get another set of Pokemon cards or whatever I wanted. At that. So I think it was always there. I just needed that. That was just the push. All right. So two questions, man. First one, how did you tell Kevin that you're going to go out on your own? And then the second, why didn't you try to do it with a partner? Why did you decide to start it on your own and own it all by yourself? All right, so telling Kevin was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do, but probably the second hardest thing I've ever had to do because super, super good dude, probably the best boss I've ever had. And I know I meant a lot to him at that shop because I changed the whole way the shop worked because everybody went directly through Kevin in the beginning by me being there it kinda of like took a lot of pressure off of him. So I knew it was gonna hurt him a lot. Not hurt him a lot, but hurt him enough. So it was really hard telling him because I didn't want to do that to him, but I knew I had to chase my dream. And it actually went better than what I thought it was. He actually he had just bought a new C seven Corvette when they had first came out. So I had to take him back to the dealership to pick up his Jaguar. And on the ride to the dealership I just we had rolled past the um a building. He was like, Yeah, that's a nice building. He was like, Man, if I open if I ever opened up a second shop I would want to open up a building like that and that was like the perfect opportunity. At that same around that same time I had already started looking at buildings and I was like, Man, I'd like to be honest with you, I'm thinking about opening up my own shop, I started looking at buildings and stuff and he looked at me and he was like, Man, if that's what you want to do, you just gotta do it. He's like, Man, I can't tell you nothing different. I can't tell you not to do it. I was in your same position one day when I worked at the place I worked at before I opened up my shop 20-some years ago. And the guy that I was working for told me the same thing, like, that's your dream. you got to chase your dream. He's like, right now you work for me, so you're working for my dream. And I appreciate your help working towards my dream. But if you have your own dream, don't be scared to go ahead and chase it. And that was like the second green light I needed to just go ahead and do it. Uh, the biggest reason of why I did it on my own is because how I was saying the whole play the rules and know the game um, and taking risks. Like you see in the beginning of everything, like I take a lot of risk, less now than what I did before, but it was really, when I first started business, I would freaking not pay BG&E for two months just to make sure I could pay the rent and all types of crazy stuff. And I knew having a partner would stop me from being able to do some of the stuff I wanted and kind of hinder some of my decisions. Thinking back now, it might have helped more than what it hurt, but I just wanted to be in full control of my own destiny. That's the biggest one. I was, I was going to ask you, what are some of your favorite books? Good to Great is a really, really good one. 
I've read that. Outliers is a good one, too, because it kind of shows you that some people just got it from the beginning, and they don't even know they got it until they finally realize it. Some people have literally been pushed along a path in their life and have always won. Like, you know, everybody's saying winning now or taking out. Like, some people have always been, even though they went through failures, they've always been winning. They always find a way out. So Outliers is a really, really good book for me. Um, The Alchemist, I read a book that was, um, it was like weird off the record books, um, um, I think it was called, like, How to Be Rich and Smarter and Better Looking Than Your Parents. That was one of my favorite ones. Man, I, I don't know, man. I haven't read so many books. It gets freaking tough. But Good to Great, as oh, and Traction was really good. And um, okay. What Great, it's a book called What Great Brands Do. What Great Brands Do and Good to Great probably right now are my favorite books. For somebody who hated school, why are you reading books now? Man, the crazy part is I didn't start reading books until I started working at Rimsource. My friend named Pat, his name is Patrick, um, he does a lot of basketball stuff, and he was the one who really got me into reading books. I'm trying to think of the first book I read. I think the first book he ever put in front of me was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Now that I think about it, that's probably one of my favorite books. That's probably almost everybody's favorite book until they really start digging in and reading and reading. But since then, he would just always toss me books. He was, he was somebody I really looked up to. He was one of my mentors. So, like, if he said read a book, it had to be cool to read a book. So I started reading, and I started seeing why people read. And it showed me how dumb I was. Education is, sometimes you think education is just school stuff, but it's really like the, how do you, um, I forget whose quote it is, and I'm stealing right now, and I apologize, but education is the progressive discovery of your own ignorance. So it's not just all about school. It's about, like, really, you, it's times in life where you think you really know everything and you don't. Um, and reading books really showed me that I didn't know half the things I thought I knew, especially all the businesses I tried to run before. Reading books kind of put everything into perspective. It gave me a better outlook. So what's the one thing you wish you knew before you started your own business? The one thing I wish I knew before I started my own business. The one thing I wish I knew before I started my own business is credit. I wish my parents had taught me that from a younger age. Like I said, I don't blame my mother for anything because she spent her life providing for us and finding ways to provide for us. But if there's one thing I wish I could have been taught is credit. Because if I had credit when I started, it would have been completely different. My, I, I, my credit was shot when I opened up my business. I, I couldn't go get a loan. I couldn't have a credit card. I don't think I got my first credit card until I was three and a half years in business. So, I mean, I think that would have been the biggest thing I wish I had known before. You can't have credit or cash, man. That's yeah, everything about your situation. You should have failed, man. I mean, for you to be in business five years later is just amazing. So... You mentioned your uncle stroked the check for your first two pieces of equipment. Yeah. When we were talking in the fall, you doubled down and uh, put some more money in the business. How are you picking where you're spending your money, you know, your profits, and to invest in the business versus buying new cars or more trucks or hooking your own cars up? Like, how are you deciding where to spend your money now because, you know, you're making wiser choices? Um, I think all of this right now is all productivity and just making sure we're getting the most out of our time. In the service business, it's like time is everything because that's where you make your money at at the time, even though you can make a lot off of selling products, but it's just how much you can get done in a certain amount of time. So right now is trying to get things, all the right equipment, all the right tools around us so that we can get everything done quicker and more efficient and still get people the same quality. So that's what my whole focus on right now. But at the same time, I know that my cars are the reason that I'm even doing this. So I had to budget out that part of my life, too, to be able to say, okay, I can go and keep this going with at least having my cars the way I want them to be because that's part of my business, too. But definitely the whole productivity and 
and keeping the same quality of work but doing it faster and being more efficient is how I kind of budget out everything or just plan on reinvesting my money in ways to make us be better in those areas. My last question, I'm saying it's my last question, but I don't know that it will be. So you've reinvested in the business. You've been working on savings. If you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? If I had to do it all over again, I would have. I wish I would have had the conversation I had with one of my mentors when I first started business about the whole feeding the right animal because I would have fed my money in different ways than what I fed it before. And that's huge. It's like financial literacy is everything because we're not taught that in school. We're not taught that anywhere unless our parents sit down and have If our parents don't sit down and have a conversation with us or somebody close to us, you don't know until it's too late. But that's something I would have did differently. I would have fed my money through different channels than what I did before. I would have controlled it instead of letting it control me, basically. All right, Larry, give us your one takeaway from the call, man. If if we don't listen to anything else, what's the one thing you want to start away with on this one? Man, one thing I got to say is don't let anybody tell you that it can't happen no matter what your situation is. A lot of times we forget that some of the most successful people that we look at every day, we use their products, we listen to their music. Everybody had a huge failure in your life. I think Will Smith, he was just talking about how many millions of dollars he owed in taxes when Fresh Prince stopped. Anybody, if somebody told you at a certain point in your life you were going to owe $12 million in taxes right now, you might think, like, oh, my goodness, like, I don't even want to go down that road. I don't even want to be an actor. If somebody would told um, Will Smith that when he was – rapping before he started being active, he might not even have wanted to be there. And they said, it's a chance you would have, you were owed $12 million in taxes. He probably wouldn't have did it. But because he didn't worry about any of that and he just kept driving the way he wanted to be and didn't think about none of that, now look at him. That $12 million was a speed bump on his, journey, on his journey. So don't let anybody mm-hmm. tell you you can't do anything. Don't let anything stop you from trying. Um, if that's what you want to do, if you got to take a risk that sometimes you got to roll the dice and just make it happen, anything is possible. I want to wrap up um, by saying if you enjoyed what you heard tonight and you want to learn more about dream catchers, please visit our website at dreamshouldbereal.com. If you can think of someone who would benefit from these types of opportunities and you're willing to share what we're doing with them, we would greatly appreciate it. Larry, again, thank you. enjoyed what you shared. I guess I shall see you soon. And <laughs> Good night, everyone. Get it how you live, and that's just what I did. You know I hustle all day and all night, boy. You know I hustle all day and all night, boy. Yeah.